1: Hi everyone, this is Chatting with Nat, it's Natalie Sheehan, today we have the honor of having award-winning composer, pianist, producer, Wendy Loomis. Wendy Loomis is an award-winning composer, pianist, producer, educator, and voting member of the Recording Academy. Her compositions have been performed throughout the U.S. and Cuba. She plays with jazz and new age groups, writes for independent films, and has released 18 CDs. Wendy co-founded renaissance funk band Copus that has performed at such notable venues such as The Bitter End in New York and the Cutting Edge Festival in New Orleans. Their vinyl release, The Dilemma, is due in August. Let's give her a round of applause. (laughs) Hi, Wendy. How are you?
2: Well, I'm good Natalie thank you so much for this this is a great concept I love your idea and you and Nikki forming Sisters in Music just brilliant thank you very
1: much yeah a lot of people laugh when they hear their applause my two hands can't, <laughs> I love voice. yeah my two hands can't <laughs> hear everybody does this um, so how have you been
2: um, things are good I, I've been waiting with bated breath for the vinyl um, the vinyl album that was supposed to be finished in April. I mean, our end was finished, but um, apparently there's such a demand for vinyl to be printed that everything is behind. I think some of it is, of course, pandemic-related, but some of it is it's a newer company, and so I actually got the tracking number this morning, Yay. meaning that they are en route, which is so
1: exciting. Yay! <laughs>
2: Yay. Thank
1: exciting. you. Yeah. So... How have you been um, during this, let me see, how do I put it? Elections, pandemic, COVID had some babies, um, George Floyd, Roe versus Wade, mass shootings, tsunamis, earthquakes, oh president's yeah. assassin, yeah. polio, monkeypox, um, just a bunch of ridicu- ridiculousness um, and craziness in the world. How have you been handling all of this?
2: You know it's it's been an interesting time and, uh, just yeah. your list there um yeah. I think <laughs> of course, you know the negatives we could spend a lot of time on i th- but I think that for me um I found ways to make it work um first of all i I live very close to the ocean in in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and so the beach just to be there and Uh see the sky and the water, and it's just much bigger than I am. And, um, I, it was very incredibly helpful spiritually, um, writing music. Um, I just sort of was a whirlwind. And of course I I share a house with a bunch of people. And so I couldn't practice all the time, but, um, I know these people at a church and I have a key there and I used to just go there and just lock myself in and play all day. And so, um, you know, finding ways to deal with stuff. I, I think the longer it went, the weirder it got. I mean, at the beginning, I thought it was going to be over in a week or month. You know, so <laughs> a little little did I know. Little, um, but then yeah. yeah. And then you know, I mean, so many things. I mean, the whole Black Lives Matter and Me Too movement, and yeah, you know, so many things were happening. And I think that, in a way, it was kind of frustrating because the the necessity of being out in the street was really important, and yet at the same time people were concerned about health. And so, I, you know, I applaud all the people who actually were out there. I, I did it a bit, but, you know, I would love to have done more and participated more. Um, but, you know, a lot of the things that were written during that time were very, uh, very much about that subject. I wrote a song called Truth which was okay. about what you guys were talking about, speaking your truth and and before that we just had released a song called We All Bleed Red, which is about that exactly that we all bleed red. Um so I you know, in, in those ways it was it was important to sort of go internal and uh you know, lost some money, of course, um lost a bunch of gigs. Um but fortunately I, I have some private music students in they all switched to Zoom, so we—that was good. That you know, that was helpful.
1: That's awesome. Now, one of the things I always like to ask everybody this question: and a story about it. So, obviously, the pandemic was global. Well, um, people suffered. You know, long COVID. Um, people's limbs also. Uh, um, there were frozen guards to um, end up. walked out before. Uh, so allowed for a lot of now, some things that I saw are you know family members looking together. I, in my neighborhood, pretty don't get that often um, work because they realized that they weren't spending enough time with family members. Uh, I read a bunch of articles about people that uh, decided that because with the pandemic.
2: up a little bit so I, I didn't hear all of that so change in terms you, of what did you take some time to um,
1: do some self-introspection in regards to your, your career how you want to be seen I know for myself you know mm-hmm. I want to be more of an effective player did you decide mm-hmm. to re- remain the same are there any changes or is copious copious
2: <laughs> yeah that's that's a good question I think um on uh, unfortunately um San Francisco is not really recovered very well um first okay. first of all it's it's such an expensive place that even before covid the a lot of venues were closing and a bunch of them mm. closed since then and and a, another one this week and so most oh. of the places that we have played are no longer in existence
0: oh um,
2: wow so so the thing is, well, okay. So you know, we we're doing a, some release parties, and we've always rented places too and done our own productions. But um, you know, the thought of of moving comes again to my mind. I grew up on the East Coast and migrated this way, but you know, LA and New York, I you know, I don't know how they're faring, but but I I feel like it might be time to spend some more time elsewhere. Um, it's it's a shame because it's a, it's a beautiful city, and I moved here when it was sort of the tail end of when it was. Happening, Um, you know. Royal, my partner uh, in in crime, who does um, spoken word, and we formed a a company together, a band, and and then a a small label together. Um, He grew up in L.A. and then came to San Francisco, so he saw it more when there were lots of clubs and it was very edgy, and there was a lot of artistic stuff and dance and theater. And now there's really just the big like the opera and the symphony and live nation basically. So, so independent artists, it's harder and harder to find places. And so this is the value of course, of collaborating and, and like a lot of the recording we're now doing where you, people are sending in stuff, you know, you're not always recording all in the same place. Um, So I think it's made me think more about physically moving somewhere, but I haven't kind of landed on that yet.
1: Hmm. I completely yeah. understand. Um <laughs> yeah. what was it about the music industry that, made, that you gravitated that make you made you gravitate towards the music industry? Was it something that you heard, you saw, or did you just come out of the womb saying that Wendy and Music are gonna come together somehow? We we are just one.
2: Right. When I was a, very young I was I always knew I'd be in an artist of some kind because I I started dancing when I was four. I was in shows when I was four and I started piano at eight. And um, my mother was very encouraging of artistic pursuit. I think she wanted me rather to do it like on the side, just right. just worrying about financial things, you know? So, um, but I grew up in, in Western Massachusetts. And so we, um, she loved to go to New York. We went to New York all the time, went to shows all the time. And so I had, influences very young um and studying music all my whole life so it was more just a question of well what exactly am I going to do with it it was it was always there it was just you know what is the exact vehicle i'm going to use so that was very interesting and when i came to california then my my vocabulary sort of expanded because i met people who were doing you know more um uh, I grew up with more classical and jazz and Broadway, and then I met people who were doing, like, Indian music and tabla music and um, reggae and um, more avant-garde stuff, so it kind of expanded my my realm and my vocabulary so that when I was writing music, it became more expansive, I think.
1: Mm. Now, how important is it for you to be Authentic in your music as a person, your songwriting.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's the the key factor right there. That's you know that's a really interesting question because my first year in college, I had a theater professor, and he said we were all young naive, you know, eighteen year olds, and he said, uh, so you, if you want to go into theater, you got to you got to answer a question right now today. Do you want to? Make money, or do you want to make art? Um, you might end up with both, but maybe not. So you have to decide which is more crucial. And for me, I decided right then. I, you know, I needed to be authentic in my expression, and it needed to be pretty much all original. Um, and if the money came, great. But if it didn't, that wasn't going to stop me. I love that.
1: Got to do your thing. <laughs> Oh, your mission
2: your death um, yeah I love what, you know I have to say Natalie too just to throw in there that I just love you post a lot of very positive things mm. and I those are great I mean I think that um, y- you know there's a lot of so much struggle in the world that we all know um, but your messages are really important just to, to read on a almost daily basis it's great
1: I appreciate that now you're you're like me. You're also like a social impact, obviously, message songwriter.
3: Um, you mm-hmm. write about
1: the, which I think is a beautiful thing. Um, a lot of people, a lot of artists, are fearful about writing uh, about the times, especially some specific topics. Um, they
0: feel mm-hmm. that
1: they don't want to alienate their fans. In fact, there are some people that just think that you shouldn't even talk about things on your social media site.
0: <clears throat> but. Mm-hmm
1: artists we live in america
2: <laughs> yes
1: how we do how do you feel about that do you think that people should write about what's going on in the world or should they just stay in a box so to speak and not talk about certain things because of fear of alienating their fans
2: Hmm. i think because there's so much like superficial music out there in the pop world that if that's all you want, there's plenty of that. So, you you know, I feel like I don't have to provide that. So um, no. I would rather have people listen um, and share an experience where there's some food for thought, there's some maybe challenges to your views, maybe it spurs you to do something more expansive with your life. Um, we've worked with this group called uh, Climate Music Project, And they're a wonderful organization. I just happened upon them when they were looking for bands to play um, at an outside event. And it said, do you want to play for the planet? And I said, well, yeah, I'd love to play for the planet. So, So we took the band out there and ended up that they asked if I would write a piece in collaboration with them, with their team of scientists, which was amazing, so that we put together, collaborated on this piece called What If We?, which... Then there was video and spoken word by Royal and and my band Copus and and then the visuals and then scientifically they incorporated um, this uh, sonifications which was amazing. It was a conversion of the chord structure of the piece into sounds that represented sea level rise over time um, mm-hmm. and just kind of incredible. Um, to work with them, that video has been shown all over the world. It was shown at King Abdullah University in Saudi Arabia. It was shown at Tufts University. I mean, it's, it so that just, that, you know, expansion of the, the awareness of climate change, I learned a lot, you know, just about the specifics of, of sea level rise. So, and yet I, you know, even when I wrote that piece, I wanted to make sure that the ending had a positive, Message because if it only just says it's all doom and gloom, then
0: right.
2: nobody's gonna, Who's going to do anything? I mean, like, why bother? So, so to me, it's like you can challenge your audience, mm-hmm. but then you also want to encourage them to take action. So you have to put something positive in there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely like that aspect of things. I mean, for myself, I like to make people think. You know, it's um, not about giving. Mm-hmm views is more or less trying to put get them to think about let me put myself in that person's shoes and let me see how I would feel if that were happening to me um
2: mm-hmm. exactly that's
0: very
1: important. and we don't have to everybody doesn't have to agree one of the things I've learned over time especially being on TikTok and all these um platforms is that people don't like other people's opinions <clears throat> which is just ridiculous to me. <laughs> people can agree to disagree yeah. people have the right to their yeah. own opinion opinions mm-hmm. can be right can be wrong, they can be extremely ignorant, they can be racist, they mm-hmm. can be all sorts of things. But the bottom line is the person has a right to their opinion. And people just like, No, you're wrong. It's like, dude, yeah, I maybe I, I want right here. You may not. and the thing is, you people may not like the opinions. That's the beauty of the thing. You don't have to like that. Okay? Um Right. And I that as musicians uh, those of us that write social impact message songs, I think that is brilliant that we do so. You know, I think that we're, we're, we're very powerful because we're not afraid to, to like help the universe, help, help the world. Um, and the thing with fans is that <clears throat> if you're fans, if you have true fans, they will know who you are. If they follow you right. on your social media platforms, read your website, listen to your music, they will know who you are. They, they won't, oh my god they're talking about this i can't listen to them anymore no and and those mm-hmm. that don't want to bye-bye you know we don't, there's yeah. like millions of people in the world but i think that yeah. you know nina simone said it you know she said something in regards to uh artists is uh, a responsibility to write about the times and so she's one person i wish she were still alive i would love to have performed with her if i could have yeah. uh, Absolutely true, yeah. Just amazing. And I think that she was so right. Now, which artist would you love to perform with who's dead or alive?
2: Oh boy, that's a brilliant question. Okay, let's see. Uh so many, so many. Um, right offhand I have to say, um, all the biggies in the sort of jazz scenario, um, like right contemporary today, Esperanza mm-hmm. Spaulding, uh, Terry Lynn Carrington, uh, Kamasi Washington, Robert Glasper, uh, Herbie Hancock, all of those people. Um, yeah. and then if we're going to go back, if we're going to go back further, then of course, Chick Corea was a very big influence on me. Um, I would love to have done something with him. I saw her, uh, duet of Herbie Hancock and Chick Corea and that was <laughs> just beyond belief. Um, Let's see. Yeah, if you're gonna go back further, you go to people like Nina Simone, amazing. Hazel Scott. Oh my gosh, when I discovered her, just incredible. Um, and then you know, I Beethoven. <laughs> I like to go. I like to go to some of those people. Stravinsky, Debussy. Uh, you know, all my early classical loves. Um, so many. You know, there's just it's it's amazing the wealth of. Of music, Omar Sosa. He's a Cuban pianist, yes. just incredibly good. Yeah.
1: Now, how do you yeah. go about uh, songwriting, writing a, a new song, specifically the lyrics? Um, and if you get writer's block, how do you deal with that?
2: Well, it, it's interesting. I don't write that many lyrics. Um, I okay. I've written more compositions for right. um, ensembles. I do, you know the. I write the musical parts, so um, I've written for flute choirs. I've written for mm-hmm. um, independent films, I, you know. So I have written some songs with words, but I'm not a great. I'm an okay singer, but I'm not a great singer. So I hire singers to do when there's lyrics, and then with Copus, um, uh, Royal does the writes the lyrics, and so wow. working with him has been great because. It's like writing for film because he's a he's like a storyteller. He's you know it's it's not rap because it's it's looser right. in in ryth- rhythmic structure. So um, so it's really fun to write around his words. I've written a couple like Truth. I wrote quite a bit of the words of that. So I, I do write some, but um, but most of mine is is from from the musical compositional standpoint. Um, so you know, that's, it's, uh, it's, it's fun. It's just, uh, I love the collaboration. Like I, I wrote a song uh, for my brother and his wife for their anniversary and, and I needed a singer. So I, I I put a call out there to the indie collaborative people Mm -hmm. and uh, Grant was, Grant Malloy Smith was the first one to respond. He said, sure, I'll do it. And he just did a beautiful job. I mean, I, I, it's just kind of amazing that there's just so much talent everywhere. You just Mm -hmm. have to just grab grab people, you know.
1: Amen to that. You Just gotta grab
2: them for sure, <laughs> for yeah. sure. Now, tell me
1: about about your upcoming uh, album dilemma. The vinyl album
2: dilemma. Oh, what? How, how many songs
1: um, is the album about?
2: Um, the dilemma is uh, the artwork for the cover is shows the balance of of the heart and the mind. Um, which is that ongoing dichotomy we've been talking about, like from your the balance of the thinking, rational part, and then the more sensitive, intuitive part. Um, mm. And there are 11 original tracks. Uh, we had, right now, Copus is a quartet with um, Royal Kent, uh, spoken word, and me, piano, and composition, and then uh, Patrick Mahan on bass and LeVon Washington on drums. And then we had eight... Um, guest artists, um, all okay. sorts of stuff from alto clarinet to violin to rapping uh, to per- percussion. Um, so it's a really interesting album, and I think having done all you know CDs all this time, that we really decided that we wanted to do vinyl, um, just because it's to me is the best sound you can get, and it makes it a classic something that you can hold on to and the artwork and um, so I had to go out and buy a a turntable again (laughs) so I could play it (laughs) so so yeah so it's it it should be here probably next week and then we're planning uh, um, uh, release parties both live two live ones in San Francisco and then we're going to do an online one and then uh, we have some people in LA want to do something there. So that'll probably be in October or November. So that's the plan. Cool, cool, cool.
1: Love it, love it. Now I'm <laughs> going to sing your song Fillmore. Tell me what that's about.
2: Fillmore is a really special song. It's about the Fillmore district of San Francisco that many people would know. It's, um used to be called the Harlem of the West um, in the 1940s and 1950s. It was, there was a club on every corner and Mm -hmm. it was primarily black owned businesses, very successful. Um, unfortunately got wiped out by demonic forces. Um, but, but it's a tribute to all the artists that passed through there and all the powerful presences that were there and people were dressed to the nines and were out, um, in that whole district. So you will hear that kind of, Jazz, I wrote a sort of jazzy piece, and Royals' words uh, uh, mention a lot of artists. And then in, in the middle, it breaks into, um, we have a guest artist who does some rap um, and a singer, and so they they bring it to a more contemporary thing. Also, uh, Nasher Modi, who's an indie yeah, collaborative, yeah. Ama- amazing guitarist, he has a nice little guitar solo in there, too. So it's a, it's a wonderful tribute, a bygone era.
0: All
1: right, well, let me
2: play
3: it. Thank you. In the Fillmore, we're talking San Francisco lore, where music legends lived and worked before. Cranking out diamonds, gold, silver, pearls galore Leaving us always wanting more Like stars that shine forevermore Their faces seem to always be painted against an eyesore Well, the winds of change are like an open door There you can hear their names always to be remembered Most certain and sure Like the sound of a distant roar
0: over in the fillmore.
3: in the Fillmore, We're talking San Francisco lore. Miles, Monk, Duke, Bird, Dizzy. And John Coltrane, they wrote the score. Sarah Nina, Billy Dinah, and Carmen, they sang the songs we admire and adore. You had Alabama, Elsie's, Havana Club, Jimbo's Box City, The Blue Mirror, Beloved Venues of Yore. Cultures coming together, hanging with each other. You have rich and poor sounds of every night folks looking right in the clothes they wore and everybody knew the score and to feel more i feel more walking down these streets history in my blood and through these beats. clubs closed with real flows no blues in your shoes you can feel greatness called to you the energy that found the truth whether on stage or in the booth you nod your head that's proof as we build more on the backs of those that came before No time for moving slow Waves crashing on the shore That's a real force Where the best know what we're here for The games we play, the thrill, the score Need more, see more, be more Let that open up your mind like real doors In a world where being yourself is a real chore Never just another day and feel more We're talking San Francisco lore, black-owned banks, bakery shops, record shops, barber shops, gas stations, and grocery stores. There was nothing they wanted for. It was a thriving community with an unfinished history redeveloped for some unknown mystery destined to become a metaphor. For the Harlem of the West was laid to rest by eminent domain who claimed it's mine, not yours, only to become known as the fill. No More.
1: I love that vibe. I could see that song in like a cafe, a smoke your-
2: Yeah, I know. And- I I really want to do a I want to do a video and like women in slip skirts and men with big brim yeah. hats and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's Totally, totally cool.
1: Um, what <laughs> do you love most about being an artist?
2: What do I love most about it? Is that what you said?
1: Yeah. What do you love most about it? Uh,
2: I uh, love most. Um, to me, like every day I get up, it's exciting. Like you wake up in the morning, there's always something new to do. And when you're an independent artist, you I always wear hats because we have to wear so many hats. You, yeah. you do the writing part and you do the rehearsing and then you do the practising, and then you organize, and then you market and then you get on the phone and then you go hang up a flyer. And you just like always, it's 24-7. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in the middle of the day, if it's really sunny and I say, oh, you know what? I think I'll take a break and walk to the ocean. I don't have to check in with anybody. I don't have to, you know, tell my boss I'm going anywhere. I'm, I'm my <laughs> own person and I just love the independence, the freedom, the, the ability to create things, to be able to take negative world and make it into something beautiful. Right. Um, I think I love all, all, all those aspects of it. And even the challenging parts, you know, it's, it's part of the deal, you know, but, but yeah, it's, it's an exciting way to to live your life uh, in the way that you want to do it and, um, and, 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 and affect people. And you, you never know. Cause I mean, I've had people, I remember one time I was playing this piano piece and, Someone came up to me afterwards, this guy, and he had tears in his eyes, and he just said, you know, my grandmother, you know, he he didn't look like he would be teary. He had, like, tattoos, right. really tough-looking guy, and, and had, like, chains on him. And <laughs> he just said, my grandmother's dying of cancer, and your music so touched me, and, and I, I think I'll be able to sleep tonight. I mean, like that, wow. You know, yeah. just, those are the things you just say, okay, I'm doing the right thing. You know, I'm putting out the right thing. Yeah.
1: That's huge. And to piggyback off of that, um, I was talking to this young lady this past year and she was giving us a story about uh, when she had a performance, uh, she had, a, you know, an hour performance and this person came up to her and said, oh my God, I just loved your performance. It was so beautiful. And I have to tell you that um, after I was going to leave this performance, I was going to kill myself. And after watching this wow. performance, I was in life. I'm going to live. I know that there is a better day. So to say that, I always tell musicians, artists, that uh, music is a superpower. People just don't understand. Yep. Music power to heal, move mountains, do so many things. It's one place where we can all get along in this crazy, crazy kind of world that we're living in. Because people just want to vibe to things. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, even,
2: absolutely.
1: Yeah, and even during the pandemic, I think a lot of people... Uh, went and sought out more independent artists because they had the time to do so. Um, so actually yeah. that was that was kind of a good thing for independent artists. Um, they wanted something to, you know, someone to gravitate to, somebody that gave, gives them hope. So, you know, they're tired of all the fake news crap and they just want to say, okay, I've got to listen to Wendy right now because she gives me what I need at this moment. So people I, yeah. I think all artists understand that they have a superpower to do wonderful beautiful things in this world um it's true. Just, it's very just true a, now you touched on some marketing and promoting is one of the things that we have to do as artists um and now we have to be mm-hmm. on any every damn platform there is on this earth um whether it's <laughs> clubhouse um instagram you know facebook twitter i mean there's so many um I know. And, <laughs> easy to manage all of that so how do you manage all of that marketing and promoting
2: i know it's really funny i went to a a party uh, last weekend to say goodbye to jeff oster who's moving and and it was a bunch of there were like 12 of us like kenya and oscar you know them and, and so there are all these people who won grammys or nominated for grammys and, and so after we all talked about what our projects were musically then that lasted for a certain time but the the rest of the conversation was about algorithms and promoting and how you use platforms and (laughs) wow this is really interesting (laughs) but this is what we all are going to talk about um you know that Oscar Wilde quote that uh, if you get a group of bankers together they talk about art and you get artists together and they talk about money so
3: but I think now
2: we're all talking about social media and so that's that's the concern you know I it's it's very interesting I think the internet is a is a good imbe- it's a double edged sword for independent artists because it's you can put any, you can put anything out there from your phone or your laptop but um but there's gazillions of people who are doing it and so how you rise up through things becomes the challenge um i, I do a certain amount of it every day but i i feel like you know there's always more that can be done um but you know, I'm actually um, Royal and I have, are, are working with these people at a, a, a what they call an open source label, and and okay. his whole you know promotion is um, is sort of working it from the inside out, and so mm-hmm. we're learning some, some real marketing tools from him, which are kind of amazing. So we'll see how that all goes, but yeah, it, it's it's um, it, it's something that some days you can sort of tear your hair out, but.
3: Um, other
2: days it can be very, cool, you know, very cool when people will appear out of nowhere sometimes you just go, wow, that's cool. So, you know, that's the good part of it.
1: So um, one of the things that I learned during the pandemic, my God, I did so many, I took so many we- webinars, conferences on music and social media and stuff like that. And one of the things I found is that, you know, when we're creating music now, especially if you want to chart or whatever, you have to see if somebody if somebody will take your music and use it on these platforms. So when uh-huh. people are writing songs now, they actually have to think, Oh my God, will this work for this platform platform? Can somebody use it um on their TikTok, on their Facebook reels, whatever. And so it puts a lot way more pressure if that's what you're into. <laughs> um because uh-huh. back in the day you could go take your little forty five records go to a record, a radio station and say, oh, can you play this? Nine times out of 10, they might play it. But now, you know, and, and we know that radio is play play, pay to play and they play the same old darn audio, uh, right. artist. I'm okay. like, not, contact like three radio stations. Yeah. Okay, do you guys have the guts to be able to play independent artists you've ever heard from? Because the radio stations are so inundated uh, with the same mm-hmm. old music over and over to the point that I, I, I hardly ever listen to any of it anymore. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah it's a different ball game you know I at first didn't want to do TikTok but then I was like okay at first I was doing you know silly things and, and I was promoting my music to promote my own music I, you know I'm tired of promoting everybody else's and so now I just it's it's it, it's fascinating because I've gotten into this whole Roe versus White thing and those are the videos that have the most views I have one video that has like 45,000 views and you know what I did? Yeah, all yeah. I did was post a video and point it to the video and people are enamored and having conversations about different things. Um, so this mm-hmm. whole musical game is just crazy. It's a lot of work and I think people just don't realize that. Um,
3: mm-hmm. I,
1: I'm going to play your song, There Are Days. Tell me what this is about.
2: Um, this is a song that this is a singer-songwriter's song okay. that I did that if I were a singer I would have sung um, and I found this woman Amanda Rose I never met her but see I found her online this is one good thing okay. you can find people and so yeah. um, but it's kind of about those days where as a musician or as an isn't as human you wake up what? and just go you know what I just feel like pulling the covers over my head and that's kind of all it but um, at the end there's there's some positivity that comes out of that so that's that's basically it
1: Alrighty, then I think it's
2: time to play. where she is. I'm curious what happened to Amanda Rose if you're out there where where you are in the world right now. <laughs> I mean,
1: I think that that one right there, that definitely needs to be in a movie. I mean... Yeah, I feel like
2: that too. It has that moody quality that would be good in a movie. Yeah, I agree.
0: Perfect, perfect, perfect.
2: Um,
0: So...
1: One last question would be, um, what are three things you wish you had known before you got into the music industry?
2: Three things. Let's see. Um, I think this is probably life as well as the music industry, but um, that – that it takes however long time it takes. (laughs) That's the first thing. Like you, you you can plan and you can try try to do things and that's great. And you keep working on things, but things come into their time when they come into their time. Um, Mm -hmm. As a side note to that, I do have to throw in that just, uh, I'm really excited. I pushed very hard to get this new category in the Grammy awards. Um, uh, and yeah. COPUS has submit, submitted in six different categories. And we finally, I, I wrote a proposal in J.I.V. in Chicago and a bunch of other people um, that, that this year there's going to be spoken word with music as a category. So I'm just so excited. So so I think persistence and timing like that, that took many, many years to get. Um, I think, um, uh Someone, and I forget who it was, we talked about, well, probably a lot of people, but always keeping the people that you had at the beginning nearby. Um, because as things start to get more, if you get more successful and more known, that right. keep a small group of people that are your original fans and supporters and followers close to you. Uh, don't let them go. Um, that I've learned along the way. Um what else? Well, I think when I started, it was before the social media was so huge. I, I think that adaptability is like the, the name of the game because you don't know. And we don't know 10 years from now what it will be like. Maybe we'll just have like little wires in our head and we can just move them and hear a song. And so, you know, who knows? So so I think being able to be uh, adapting, adaptable is um is really crucial in in music world, but in life itself.
1: Um, one of the things that I I, I know is that um, there are a lot of scam artists in in this industry. Um, I know when I first started, people on on. It's almost like they find you. The people that are just starting out, and they oh, I can make your dreams come mm-hmm. true. Pay money. Yeah, I was oh, scammed yeah. in the. They can't get it now. Oh, I, yeah. I don't get. It. Um, but that's a huge one, in that you know, not to change who you are for some somebody else's dream. Um, just stay true mm-hmm. to who you are as an artist. Um, yeah. you know, and to learn that music is subjective. Many will love you, many yeah. will not love you, and you can't take it personal. You sure. move on from that, and you deal with the people that love your music. You know yeah. what I mean?
2: Yeah, I think that's all really good, and I. I learned from Royal early days when we were starting out as an ensemble and I've played in a lot of groups, but Copas has been the longest standing. And, um, and I remember there weren't that many people, at one of the first shows and he said, oh, that doesn't matter. If you reach one person, you've done your job. And I, that right. I've, I think this very good advice. And I've used that a lot because like the person who just, you know, decided not to be suicidal after that performance, yeah. That person was the only person, that was the show was for that person. So um, it it doesn't always, it's not always about crowds and size. So, and that, that was a really good thing to learn.
1: That's right. I agree with
2: you. Um,
1: and one last thing, um, what quote, passage, or anything, a saying, a word, that you use to motivate yourself if you just need it for that moment?
2: Hmm. Um, I think of um, uh gold in my ear saying that um, if I am not for myself, who will be for me? But if I am for myself only, what am I? That's right. Amen to that. <laughs> hey. Yay uh, Yay Yay women. Right on. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Right on, right on. Well, Wendy, thank you so much for chatting with Nat. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your creativity.
2: And I appreciate the fact that you speak your truth uh, in this world of... Thank thank you so much. It's been absolute pleasure to speak with you. Can't wait Um, to see you in person again.
1: Yeah, it'll be awesome. Oh, my gosh, it's been so long. (laughs) It'll happen Things are opening back up we all that other yep. crap away. Um, but thanks again. Um, if anybody wants to check out Wendy Loomis, the award-winning composer, pianist, producer, educator, and voting member of the Reporting Academy, you can go to wendyloomis.com. Facebook is wendy.loomis5. Then you have copusmusic.com, reverbnation.com, forward slash copus, instagram.com forward slash music. She's amazing. She's wonderful. Find her. And if you can't remember all of that, just Google. This is what I tell people. Just Google me because we're <laughs> so many platforms. It's, you can't remember all of them. All right. Thank you, Wendy. Until next Thank time. You. You're welcome. All right. Until next time. Peace, uh, peace on chat with Matt.